Good news. My new book is almost here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth. And while it doesn't officially come out with Sounds True until May 7th, you can pre-order it now. And when you do, you'll receive up to $500 in additional gifts and resources to support you on your healing journey. I wrote this book because in the four-year span between 2016 and 2020, I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked every area of my life, health, relationships, finances, career, social status, and even my very identity. Along the way, I experienced firsthand just how dysfunctional our culture's relationship to loss really is. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success, shackled with isolation, and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and evolution, not only as individuals, but as a species. So this book expands the conversation around grief and loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we cover those too, to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. This includes the end of a relationship or job, death of a loved one, a natural disaster or a war, infertility, abortion, or a financial crisis. Also, when we're going through hard times, we're encouraged at every turn to hurry up and get on with it. But by trying to power through these messier seasons of life, we're denying ourselves the very answers to our healing and growth. Whether you're experiencing hardship right now, or you know that you have past hurts that are holding you back and still need healing, this book will support you. Handbook for the Heartbroken will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. Within the loving pages of this book, you'll have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically, find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. You can download your free chapter now and pre-order the book to receive all those bonuses at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. That's handbookfortheheartbroken.com. I also want to add that pre-ordering the book now is the very best way that you can support me as an author and the health of this book when it enters the world in May. It signals to booksellers to stock the book at that time and in turn, make it available to more people who need it. So thank you for your pre-orders. Thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to deepen together in this important conversation over the coming months. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Avon Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best-selling author, and founder of The Way the Happy Woman. I'm so happy to share that my brand new book, The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power is now available wherever books are sold and at thebookofshe.com. To celebrate her arrival throughout the months of October and November, I'll be featuring a special series called She Stories, where we hear the heroine's journeys of 14 inspiring female leaders. I'm so happy you're here and I hope you enjoy today's interview. Hello, beautiful women. Welcome home. Welcome to She Talks. And today I'm speaking with 
a dear friend and colleague, Lisa Bowles. I met Lisa a few years ago through the community of Andrea Lee, and she was our business mentor. And after I met Lisa at one of Andrea's conferences, she gave me a soul map reading, which really just fit exactly what I do through my work and what is the purpose of my life. And it helped me to get more clear about that, to bring it to the surface and help me kind of carve my vision more fully through the world. So, so Lisa is the founder of The Soul Map and Soul Map TV, a method aimed at help, helping entrepreneurs find our unique path to freedom, success, and prosperity in business through a purpose-driven life. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I've been looking forward to talking to you all day. Mm-hmm. Me too. And Lisa, we always begin our gatherings here at The Way the Happy Woman with a personal check-in. So I'd love to hear from you about where you are in time and space and how you're doing in your body, mind, and heart. Mm. Well, I'm 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 actually in... Um, what I would consider a challenging stretch of life. Um, my beloved husband passed away um, in November of last year. And I'm, um, I now understand why in the traditions of old, we once wore black armbands to signal that we were in mourning. Um, I have, done a little bit of research into the, the practice of honoring the the morning period, which is what I find myself in. And, um, you know, th- there was a deep respect for what was known as the first year, uh, a year of many firsts, as it happens. And, um, you know, we, we seem to have lost touch with that, the importance of that time, the importance of respect for that time, the cultural acknowledgement of it and the making space for it. Um, and I found I've needed to make space for it myself, even though it's not really acknowledged in the same way that it once was. So I, I'm in this, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about it as we go, um, in this very interesting cycle where I am listening very deeply for how to meet this time and how to follow my inward direction and blend, you know, and whatever in the outer world needs tension at the same time I give, um, you know, deep respect and time and space and care for um, mourning my loss and finding my way. So that's where I am. Mm, Thank you for that really honest check-in and I'm so sorry for the death of your beloved and I'm so support you in taking this space and I I agree that it's we've lost that sense of what what we need to do to honor the loss and the impact that it has and as with many of the things that I know we'll talk about today, it's death and grieving are really in shadow at this time in history. Mm-hmm. 
Very much so. I'm curious what, before we dive in, just because we're, we're already here naturally, is what what is feeling most nourishing for you during this this grieving time, during this space that you're taking? Feeling what, what's uh, feeling like it's supporting the process? I know that grief doesn't always, right. isn't nourishing, but <laughs> for the, just the allowing the process to move mm-hmm. through you. Well, you know, grief has many layers. I don't think I've known it in quite the same way I'm coming to know it now. Um, I, you know, as, as most people, do and as most women do I, I've grieved other passages and other people but nothing quite like this so to attend to it to let myself befriend my grief has in a way been nourishing because it hasn't it it has meant a turning towards where most other people I know most other people around me except for a very few um, would turn away. And while it is extremely painful at times, um, ex- you know, it's, there's a kind of excruciating exquisiteness to it because it is helping me know the depth of my own love, both for my husband and for what we were together, but for myself too. Um, what has been really helpful is being as faithful as I can be um, and as receptive as I can be to the the guidance and inward direction that my life is calling me to. Um, I returned to our little cottage home, although it was difficult to be here initially without him. You know, we both loved it here and I love it still. Um, I'm right on the shores of Lake Huron in southwestern Ontario, Canada, and right on the shore. Um, our little cottage is, you know, right in the cedar trees and overlooking the, the waves of the lake and the western horizon. And it's quiet. It is um, a place where... I can hear myself more easily and I can hear and attune to the voices and spirits of life more easily. And um, giving myself enough of that, even though at times it is painful, um, has been enormously restorative. You know, um, as long as I listen to that, and I create and hold enough space for it. Um, I find I know where to put my next footfall, even even though while my foot is midair, I don't always know that. Mm. So Lisa, you are definitely in a harrowing phase of the heroine's journey. <laughs> yeah. To say the least. Yeah. Facing one of the, the hardest things that any woman could possibly face. What, what does this phrase, this concept of the heroine's journey, what does that summon forth 
for you? Mm. Well, I, I'm I'm really glad that you are speaking of it in the ways that you are. Um, there are aspects of the hero's journey I've always, you know, been drawn to and found spoke to my experience, but there was always pieces of it that didn't fit, and I couldn't find myself there. What first? Um, what were the pieces that did fit? Um, I wouldn't have called it a call to adventure because at the time it didn't feel like much of an adventure at all. Uh, so sometimes I felt the I found the language uh, used to explain the different phases of the journey were a misfit. So that was number one. But the leaving. Um, that was very much a part of my experience. Um, you know, the meeting of challengers, very much a part of my experience. Although, again, the words didn't capture it well. And the framework from it was very faux-driven, which didn't, didn't really capture it for me either. Um, in fact, it interfered a lot of the time. Um, uh, the other parts of the, the process that I found touched me, um, was, you know, death and rebirth, that, that, the, the abyss piece, very, very relevant to my experience, the transformational piece. Um, I didn't really, the word atonement that many people use to describe another phase, that didn't really sit well with me. Um, it felt foreign in a lot of ways, although pieces of it spoke to me. The return, that that resonated deeply. But the thing that I found most, I think probably most perturbing about it is that it it was linear, and that wasn't my experience. What I've experienced is that um, the journey is cyclical, um, and that parts, phases of it return, that... There are passages, and as you, you put it, there are initiations that, to different levels of deepening connection. That was far more and remains far more my experience. Um, in fact, if it had not been for the very first, you know, wow, going all the way down <laughs> when um, I had no frame of reference and no mentor and no language, no is before I'd even heard of the hero's journey um, and came to learn while I was in it, probably closer to the tail end, um, about what a dark night of the soul was. Um, that's when I, I began to, to, to understand part of what I was going through, but still it was through the lens of a, a masculine perspective and, Parts of it fit, parts of it didn't, and I just found it difficult to find myself in it. Um, although I, I will say that because I went through that when I did, without much guidance and without reference points that were um, more obvious and more present, I had to find my way more independently. Um, I had to go look for myself. There really wasn't an alternative. And um, that phase, that one cycle of the journey actually stands me in very good stead now because it was exquisitely painful too in a different way, but 
I re- recall that. And despite things being difficult today, I have that remembrance that I found my way once and I can find my way now. I think that's a really important thing for us to, to note is that it it is so empowering when we look back and we, we look back at a challenging point in our lives and we see, wow, I made it through that. I've found my way out of the darkness and if I did it before I know that I can do it again yes very much so and relying on learning to rely on the inner signposts and signals and because at that point I had nothing to go on and, and at this point I have more to go on but I return to that because I know it's trustworthy so, it saved my life once so what are these inner signposts that that you now find trustworthy and that you know that you can rely on? Yeah. Um, well, when I um, when I forget to to honor my own rhythm, and it's a slower pace than the world traditionally finds preferable, um, I lose energy really quickly. I, I get depleted very rapidly. It, it's um, it's stark the difference when I don't forget. When I really respect and am reverent towards my own rhythm, my own pace, my own timing, my own um, call for space and a quality of space. I am nourished. I don't feel depleted. I'm tired because I'm, you know, as you can imagine, there's a great deal of psycho-spiritual work going on. Yeah. But um, at the same time, um, I find myself steady where I would have expected not to be. I find myself able when I would have expected not to be. I find myself able to be present despite great pain when I really would have expected not to be, when I am attentive to these signals, um, particularly about energy and pace and rhythm and space, um, I enable myself. And it's a surprise. Um, it really is. It's more of a surprise now than it was before because um, learning to live without someone you love as much as I loved him, is it's a big adjustment. Mm-hmm. And Lisa, back to this phrase of the heroine's journey, we're just scanning back out from the hero's journey to signposts and then this overall arc of the heroine's journey and what is that what does that elicit for you well it it reconnects me to the truth of my own experience you know it the the cyclical nature of it um the darkness as friend less foe um the um the the change in relationship to the experience i think most of all, and the change in relationship to me um, 
I found as I reflected back, you know, the hero's journey is really one of combat. And that's not what my life is. That's not what my experience has been. It doesn't mean at times I don't find myself fighting. Um, I do, but it's when I soften and relinquish the fight that I find my way. And so the tone and texture and character of the experience is very different and reflects me and the truth of my experience back to me. It legitimizes it for me. Mm. I'm curious, is there a relationship between any of this and the soul map? I mean, I I can feel <laughs> it in my own soul map, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to know what you have to say about this. Uh, yes, very much so. And, um, you know, I hadn't, I could feel our, our kinship, our sisterhood, um, even though I didn't know some of the particulars until I had a chance to review the Book of She more deeply. And, and I was, you would not believe how many times I've been sitting here nodding, <laughs> uh, listening to your voice on the pages. Um, the second part of the map, the soul map, it just even, even the discovery of the soul map is so akin to the heroine's journey, the, the, the mysterious, um, unpredictable, yet predictable. I mean, it's predictably unpredictable yeah. and trustworthy. I mean, when you let yourself partner with the mystery that calls you, um, it will, it has unfailingly um, directed me in the most exquisitely appropriate ways. I, I never do I find myself misstepping when I pay attention. Never. And I, I discovered the value and the wisdom of the soul map by listening, by being attentive. Um, and more than that, it, it taught me what it was. You know, I think that's one of the other pieces I, about this that I find so affirming of, of my own experience. You know, rather than needing to know what something is, this, this way of living gives us the freedom to have a relationship and not need to know. We, I can let that go. I can be with something and let it show me itself. And not feel the pressure of needing to be on top of things or to figure it out or, I mean, there's parts of that that are important, but that side of things that was just never, um, never modeled for me is very alive in the work that I do, very alive in the discovery of the work that I do, and very much alive in my experience of life. How it relates to the soul map itself beyond its discovery is that the second piece of the map, it's a three-part process, it details the cyclical nature of ever-deepening mastery of our own life's wisdom um, and its unique voice and archetypal expression and um, and the core issue at that's central to our our way of being of service, our liberation from that as um, you know uh, a neurosis, if you like, is key to our capacity to be of service and our key to fulfillment as well. Mm-hmm. And so when I understood, when I saw 
there when journey is was laid out in your book i i could see the overlap between that middle portion of the soul map and its um support in understanding what what those key pieces are and how to help yourself notice when you're bumping into them and how to notice when you are partnering with them well and it's invitation to be in relationship and and to have a very different outlook on the journey itself and what it feels like and how you relate to yourself. Um, very, very much an overlap. Um, I hadn't realized the degree to which it mirrors the heroine journey until I read the book of She. Mm. And Lisa, to really trust and communicate with this mysterious unfolding and even what you were sharing earlier, to read the signals of your body when you're getting depleted because you're moving too quickly, mm-hmm. you're doing too much, it takes a lot of inner attunement. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that you attune to yourself, that you acknowledge your inner life, connect to your inner wisdom? Um, it, it's really funny. I... I actually don't have a formal practice. Um, what I do is really born of, of what's worked for me over the years. And I found that leaning into that um, while watching to see if it's still working or working as well as I need it to, given what's in front of me right now, um, and letting myself flex with it is what's become most important. Um, and even that seems to be reflective of a more feminine approach. Um, I spend time first thing in the morning um, just reviewing how well rested I feel or don't feel. You know, reviewing what the nature of my sleep was and, and what kind of sleep I had, particularly if I've had any dreams and what kind of dreams they've been, the energy of them. Um, And rather than set an intention for the day, I really touch in with my heart and ask myself first, based on how well I have rested and what's ahead in terms of whatever I do or my need to do, both for myself or in my work and in my business, I ask myself if I've given myself enough time to be able to be present for the things that I've said yes to mm. and if I need to renegotiate anything. Um, and sometimes I, I find that I, I need to renegotiate because I have not slept well or I slept oddly and my energy is a little off because something's being processed or coming to the surface or whatever the case may be. And so I give myself license to renegotiate where I can, when I can to create more space. Sometimes I notice that I actually have slept so well, rested so well, taken care of myself so well that um, I can move a little faster and invite more into the day. More often than not, I find I need to hold the pace or schedule I have or make more space. Um, And I have to say that um, even while I'm grieving, that's been one of the most challenging things to do is honor my need for space and give myself license to renegotiate because it means sometimes letting other people down um, or facing the internal, the conditioning that I have to somehow justify my need. 
explain it or um, sublimate it. And um, I find these days I just, I cannot. If I do, um, the boomerang effect is pretty significant. So I, I just don't, the, don't nearly as often as I once did. Um, I check in about midday to see how I'm doing. I used to be someone who could work, a, you know, an eight-hour day, nine-hour day at fairly, a fairly, you know, good clip. Um, I tend to rev pretty high. I don't today. I, I used to um, not feel hunger or a need for a break most of the time in the middle of the day. I, I cannot do that anymore. Um, and so I spend about 45 minutes to an hour somewhere midday checking in with myself again, again, reviewing the quality of the morning, where my energy's at, um, and touching in with my heart to find out if there's anything I'm trying to tell myself I just have not been able to give my full attention to. And at that point, I sometimes find I need to renegotiate the rest of my day. And um, if I find that I do, then I do. And then I check in again towards the end of the day, usually around dinner or shortly thereafter. Um, and my evenings are spent, for the most part, just quietly. Um, I've, I've largely resigned from social activity. I have been in what I would call a partial retreat probably for about three months now. Um, I could feel my need for it, um, but I, I really didn't have I had obligations and responsibilities I needed to attend to before I could clear space but the moment I did within a week um, wow the change was palpable and grieving became I wouldn't say easier but less ragged it's probably a better way of putting it mm. there was more space to hear myself more space to hear you know what life is now wanting me to live, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Or opening the door to, anyway. And going back to those older rituals of wearing a black armband, or even in times when widows would just wear all black for for months on end, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to signify to the rest of the world that you're in mourning, what is something that all of us who are listening can know from you about what what feels good and right in terms of offering support or solace as a community member to another man or woman who's, who's in mourning? Mm. That's such a beautiful question. And the answers that I've, uh, you know, I can only give you the answer for me. Um, I, what I've learned from this, because I have reached out to others who are grieving, you know, their beloved. Or, in fact, I, I've also talked to parents who've lost children who are grieving that, which is, um, wow. And what I've learned is that there are similarities, but there are the, everyone has to find their own relationship with their grieving, their mourning. So if I was to say one thing, I would encourage you to encourage them to trust themselves. Um, to trust 
that they know what they need to encourage them to take what they need. They, um, that the thing that I have found most challenging is how regularly people express concern for me when they're really bumping into their own discomfort and worry for me that they don't necessarily know what to do with. And so they ask me to modify how I'm choosing and need to proceed because it would make them feel better, less worried. And often the signal, although the, the most of the time they don't recognize they're sending it, is that they don't trust me. They don't trust that I know what I need. Um, and honestly, through the passage of grief, I, I, I'm not sure that there's any signal that I could receive that would be more disturbing. Now, I'm very fortunate because I had more self-trust at this point in my life than I I suspect the average woman does. I don't know that for sure, but um, it has allowed me to notice and to help myself come back to steady when, you know, people of good heart and... um, good intention, just trip over their own concern and worry. Um, Help the people that you know are mourning. Trust their own heart in it. Mm. Um, Help them come back to themselves. Of all the things that you could do, and to listen deeply if, if they have not yet the skill to listen to themselves. Because if you can listen with them, you can help them listen to them. And um, that has been a a tremendous gift for me. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting us in to this retreat space that you're in right now for for sharing your process with us. It's it's been an Mm -hmm. honor to receive your story. Thank you. Um, I'm going to add, you just reminded me of something that um, is probably um, an important piece that we've lost touch with Mm -hmm. about grief. Um, To honor it, to respect it, to, um, to recognize that it's a sacred passage. And to hold it as such for those who are going through it. Um, the, with the few people that I have, um, you know, I've spent quiet time with who really get the sacred nature of what I'm experiencing as difficult and as painful as it is. When they're in touch with the sacred nature of it, it makes it easier for me to be in touch with the sacred nature of it. And that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place for us to end in that, and that is the heroine's journey, that mm-hmm. death is the opening to life. It's 
it is grieving is the pathway to to our rebirth and we can't rush the process it has no. its own timing and its own wisdom yeah it does it's only when we try and rush it it actually feels worse than it's meant to thank you so Thanks, much Sarah. So many blessings to you, Lisa. And to you, Sarah. Thank you. If you're ready to go deeper into your heroine's journey, I invite you to explore my new book, The Book of She. You can visit thebookofshe.com to register your receipt for this order before October 30th. And when you do, you'll receive an invitation to join me and our community in a free online women's yoga and meditation class, as well as a live Q&A. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.